0: Book of Job. I know this is not easy plowing, okay? Uh, I, if you missed the last few weeks, I would hope that you could take some time. If you're savvy internet-wise, go online our website and look up our series on Job and 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 get caught up because it, it's really, we're building here. We're building towards Easter. We're building towards my Redeemer liveth on Easter morning. And so uh, the book of Job is is... It's challenged us, I think, to, to worship in a deeper way. Amen? It's, uh, that was a weak response. But anyway, uh, it's challenged me. And uh, hopefully it's, uh, and it's not. It can seem and appear like a dark book. In fact, the word darkness is 28 times in the book of Job. So there's that part, and we're going to talk about it this morning, the dark side of the Christian faith, walking through darkness. And, you, you, you know, when I first got saved, I thought, you know, life is just going to be easy. You know, I mean, my, my, God loves me, and my sins are forgiven, and hallelujah. You know, this is good. And there's just that initial burst of grace that God tends to give new believers. Like you pray, and boom, it's answered tomorrow. I mean, now you've waited a decade on something, and God's still slow, getting responding. And so there's that, that, that immer, just that grace that comes when we first come to faith, and, and then we get tested. And we get tried and we go through hard times, and things don't go, go the way we wanted them to or believe they should or we prayed for. And Job is in that crisis of life where, if you're counting, this would be the eighth degree of test. This is the final test, if you will. Uh, first four tests were chapter one. He lost all of his possessions 401k, everything gone. Everything. All his employees, his business gone in one day ravaged robbed stolen gone same day the fourth test he and mrs job lose seven sons three daughters one day i mean it's it's just it's uh, apocalyptic that day so those were the first four tests the second chapter he hasn't caved in he's still honoring god worshiping god and the devil again accuses God, really. The whole book of Job is, it's more about God and the devil than it is about Job. Job doesn't know that. He's caught in the middle. He doesn't know that he's got a proud papa in heaven that believes in him, that's that's, that's grieving for him. And we'll talk about that. So there's this, this next test that comes, number five, boils from head to toe. Affliction, inside, outside, lips, gums, everything. I mean, it's, it's the most, if you put together the symptoms, it's just, uh, you know, from everything from uh, anorexia to, to depression, despair, and insomnia to the blind. I mean, it just ravages his body because the enemy loves sickness. He loves it. It's one of his favorite things, make people sick, disease. That's his nature. He, he, he steal kills, and destroy, And so then, if that's not enough, he has his sixth test, which is his wife giving in in her grief to the lies of the enemy and basically tells her husband to commit spiritual suicide, curse God and die. And that's not enough. Then his three friends who he thought came to comfort him become three antagonizing accusers, instruments of hell. Their, their, their wisdom was on fire from hell. They were demonically deluded. Not everything they said. There's good and bad, but they were used faith to beat their faith, their limited faith, to beat Job up. So now we're going to deal with the last eighth test, which is worse if you put all the seven together. They're nothing compared to the eighth test. The eighth test was Job felt he lost his God. Now, I want to just kind of set the stage because this morning we're going, to look, we're going to try to find Jesus and Job and Job and Jesus. It'll be a little challenging. Stay with me. You might have to think this morning. Because if you don't understand the book of Job connecting to the cross and the life of Christ, then you'll miss the message of Job. Job didn't know that. He didn't know, I'm a forerunner of Jesus. I'm a, I'm a prefiguring. I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm, I'm walking, carrying a cross here innocent, suffering, spit on, marred, afflicted for no reason except Satan hates God, and he's hating God through assaulting me. And so Job's in this, this crucible, this, this, this dark trial. He can't find God. But I want to just kind of conclude in chapter 25, the last words of his three friends uh, Eli, uh, Elihu, at the end of the book, is not considered one of his friends, and he's just a big mouth, and he says some things right, but he says a lot wrong, uh, but we won't go there right now. But this is, this is that shortest guy in the Bible, Bildad. Remember, he's just a shoe height. So anyway, Bildad, 25. In this last words of his friend, he's exalting how big God is. And this is what the friends do. And, and they feel like they have to degrade Job to protect the greatness of God. Let me just help you. The minute you think you're defending God, you're in trouble. If you have a God that needs you to argue for him, you're in trouble. Trade him in. Get another God. He doesn't need your help. He doesn't need you on social media arguing with people. That isn't going to win people to the kingdom. He wants you to exemplify who he is to people. It doesn't mean it's wrong to stand up for what you believe, but but not in a, a, a debate, argument. Anyway, get off that path, Jamie. So, Bildad, the short guy, he's about to back slap wah, one more hit at Job. He's talking about how great God is and what a loser Job is. And so he closes his, the, the three friends are closed with this last verse of chapter 25, verse 6. Bildad says to Job, How much less man who is but a maggot. A son of man, which there's a connection there. That was a favorite phrase. Jesus described himself as the son of man. And to my knowledge, it's one of the few places it's found in the Old Testament. A son of man who is only a worm. Now, how, how comforting would that be? You've lost all your children, everything you own. You've got boils. You have, literally have worms in your skin. That's what it says. You had worms scraping himself with pottery in a dust pile, and this guy calls you a maggot. Where, where, if you can't, and, then, and you could read literally dozens and dozens of commentaries, and they, they don't see demonic condemnation in this, and it's from hell. Anybody that would make somebody feel like, or, now there's times I felt like a worm. There's times I was probably a worm. But no human being has the right to tell another human being that they're a worm. Now, Bildad should have said, I'm a worm. I'm a worm, Job, the way I've treated you. But no, he's condemning. Now, I want you to just, because I want to tie this to Jesus. Because Job is a prefiguring of Jesus, he's a forerunner. He doesn't know that, but everything about his story is the story of the cross, it's the story of the gospel. And if you don't see that, so we're going to come right back to the book of Job, but in Psalm 22, I want to follow this worm for a second. And, and Psalm 22 is known as, it's a, uh, it's a Psalm, Psalm 23 is the Shepherd psalm, Psalm 24 is the king, or like the resurrection psalm, and Psalm 22 is the cross. And because in verse 1, you see the very words that Jesus is going to speak at the end of the message this morning, uh, it's in the book of Psalms. And Jesus isn't saying it just to quote it. He lives this. As King David, who probably wrote it in some dark place, which every believer will come to, you'll go through dark times. Faith doesn't exempt you from darkness, it draws you into it. And you'll walk through dark times. When your faith feels like it's not helping you, your prayers aren't being answered, you don't know where God is, it's a dry time. There's no emotions, there's no feelings. Psalm 22, my God, my God, verse 1, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me, so far from the words of my groaning? And he goes on and cries out day and night, and God's not listening. He feels. These will be words in the lips of Jesus. A little later in the chapter, verse 6, Jesus, again, is describing himself by the way people have treated him. He says, but I am a worm, not a man scorned by men and despised by the people. They see me, they mock me, they hurl insults, they shake their heads. They literally do this at the cross when Christ is there. So Job is called a worm. Jesus is called a worm. But you know what's interesting, if you want to do just a little side Bible study, write down Isaiah 11, no, 1411, somewhere in there. We're speaking prophetically about Satan. And it says he will come to the end lying among maggots. What he's accused Job of, what he makes Jesus feel like, how he's made you feel, and make you think it's God that's making you feel like that maggot, he will end. And I say, hallelujah. That's where he deserves to be. But that's not where God wants you to be. So let's go through Job, and I want you to get a little taste of this eighth test of darkness, this test of I can't find God. He knew his only solution wasn't getting his boils healed. He never asked for healing. He demands to meet God because God is his healing. Because you can get the boils removed, and you can feel better, and it happens to people all the time. Boils bring people to church. The boils get better; they're gone. They needed Jesus like the lepers. Heal my leprosy; they get healed. One out of ten came back and said, "Thank you, Jesus." We well, get relief. Get through the divorce. Get through the hardship. Get through the hurricane Well, now you know I got life's busy. Life's important. Things I got to do. Job just wants to find God because he misses him. You don't miss somebody you don't love. There are certain people in my life that if they don't ever call me, I'm kind of happy. I'm just going to be happy. You know, one of those things when you see that name, oh my God. Thank God. Caller ID is probably the greatest invention that ever happened on the planet. We used to have one of the girls in our youth group, she put... this this boy's name in her phone, and she put E-G-R when it came up, when it rang. It just would say E, which means extra grace required. (laughs) Or as we say in the South, he's a real blessing. (laughs) And if you need that translated, someone else can help you with that. I want you to look with me in Job 29. Job 29, I want you to see what Job was missing. He knew what he was missing. He knew he needed God. He'd lost God. He felt like God was his enemy. Job 29, he's reminiscing. He has a history with God. He's he's, he's walking back in his mind of those times in worship where God met him, those times in prayer where God whispered to him, those times where God just poured out grace on him. And he says, and Job continues his discourse in verse 2. He says, how I long. For the months gone by, for the days when God watched over me, when his lamp shone upon my head and my his light, I walked through the darkness. Now he's got no light. Which the devil, when you're in a dark place or when you have a blank, like I don't know why this is happening. If you're not careful and discerning, Satan will be the interpreter of life for you. Demons will tell you, how to fill in the blank of why this is happening. He'll interpret your circumstances. He'll interpret your relationship. He'll interpret other people. He'll interpret your feelings, your mood. The enemy can discern your moods. And he doesn't come and try to change your mood, cheer you up. He'll adapt to whatever your mood is, whatever your struggle is, whatever your thoughts are and he'll just morph into more. And then he'll interpret it with, God doesn't care about you. He's not listening to your prayers. Your faith doesn't work. See, remember we've said the book of Job is, Job's got to go to the next type of faith. He's got to break free from having faith in his faith. Faith in your faith will let you down. It's the Faith in the system of your faith, or the tradition of your faith, or the the, the beliefs that you've held to, that you find comfort in those beliefs. You find certainty in those beliefs. But when those beliefs fail you, that's when you learn to trust God, in spite of the apparent failure. And you go through it. My my wife and I went through it with our, our daughters that we loved with everything in us, and we lived our life so that they would have a better life like all of you parents. And we wanted them to, to avoid the pain that we went through and the heartache that we, we, we brought on ourselves. And, and we prayed, we fasted, we protected, we threw out toys that seemed evil and, and didn't let them participate in basically anything. And uh, Tennessee, you grew up with them. You know that I'm telling the truth. Am I lying here? No. Christy got a spanking on her birthday because of you, didn't she? So we spanked them. We, we tried everything. Belief and, and, you know, and then it was a crisis of faith because the enemy interpreted it as, A, you're a failure as a parent. You're an absolute, and they, they, helped, they helped you feel that. They, yeah. Dad, you're a hypocrite. Wow. I mean, you could call me just about anything in the world, but that's the worst. And I never told him that. I never said, here, if you really ever want to hurt dad, and then add the F-bomb in front of the word hypocrite, <laughs> now we've gone to a double blessing. <laughs> and, and, you know, truth is, I was a hypocrite at times. And, but in that crisis of faith, I felt like God had failed us. God had failed us with our children, and we failed, and the enemy interpreted life. In darkness, be careful what you listen to. Be careful. Job is hearing things that are lies with the breath of Satan that he doesn't know. So he says, oh, I just wish I could come back where the light shine on me in darkness. Verse 4 Oh, for the days when I was in my prime, when God's intimate friendship blessed my house. When the Almighty was still with me and my children were around me, when my path was drenched with cream and the rock poured out for me streams of olive oil. Here's a man that knew what it was to commune with God. He had a friendship. You don't miss something that you've never had. You don't know what you're missing. Some of you today could begin a journey of experiencing the communion of the love of Jesus and his forgiveness and grace and embrace and wow. I mean, to taste that goodness ruins you. You can't settle for religion. You can't settle for, let's just sing a couple little nice songs and have a little you know, feel good sermon, and let's all go home and tell ourselves we're all good, and we want to meet God. We don't want to just listen and go, wow, that guitar player is really good up there. No, 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 I'm glad they are. But we want to meet God in here. We got nothing but God. We can't, that's the only way we can overcome the world is that we're not going to outworld the world. We can't outwow the world. I'm not going to become Disney World as a church to try to get people to come. I can't. Even if I wanted to, I'm too stupid. I couldn't make it happen, and our team will file up somehow. But that's not what we have. That's not what those youth are experiencing in Asbury. That's not. It's Jesus. And when you encounter Him, all the philosophies of men are flushed down the toilet because you've met the living God. And Job knows that that that's 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 my ki- that's I've got to find Him. In fact, just real quick, uh, dip over to chapter twenty three and just feel this this. This angst of Job as he's uh, uh, looking for God. Chapter 23, verse 3. If only I knew where to find him. If only I could go to his dwelling. I'd state my case before him. I'd fill my mouth with arguments. And then verse 8. I go to the east. He's not there. I go to the west. I can't find him. When he's at work in the north, I don't see him. When he turns to the south, I catch no glimpse of him where are you, God? It's not only that he felt God abandon him, he felt God was angry at him. That's a double whammy. Double whammy. My dad, bless his heart, he, he had a hair trigger at times and impatient, but the, the way he punished me the most was that he would go in anger to his room and slam the door and lock it. And... I'm sure that was just his way of avoiding doing something that he would have regretted. Now I know that. But then I was like, I'd have rather been called a maggot than to be cut off. To this day, you know, the worst thing you could do to me, I hate to give this out because some of you might try it, but it was like, hey, I'm really upset with you about something, but I don't want to talk about it now. Really? Well, don't bring that up to me unless you want to talk about it right then. Because we're going to talk about it. The enemy will torment me, interpret life that God's, like my dad, that God's mad at me. That he shut the door. That's dark. When you're in those times and, 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 and whatever, it doesn't have to be deep grief. It could just be dry and barren. And, and it's like, well, you know, and Job's like, where are you, God? Verse 17, the end of this chapter, he says, Yet I'm not going to be silenced by the darkness, by the thick darkness that covers my faith. It's not going to stop me from praying. It's not going to stop me from asking. I'm going to keep on. And see, the whole time, he doesn't know that the Father is enduring this pain and grief because the Father could intervene at any moment. He's a sovereign God. He could change the circumstances. Job knows that. How can God that's everywhere hide? Job, in one verse, he says, God, why have you hid your face from me? Isn't that something about the God of the universe is so giant that he can hide right in front of people? Job's lost his God. He's in this, but he never loses his faith. See, his faith grew to that level where it's not about my beliefs. That God blesses the righteous. It's not about my my systems, my theology, my doctrines. It's about the God that I love, and I miss him, and I've got to find him. I love what one theologian says, because Job's friends make God so big, so out there, that he could care less about Job. Unimpressed. Even at one point they say, God finds no pleasure in you trying to be righteous. That's a bold-faced lie. He delights in his children trying to obey him and do good things. And and listen to this quote. It it just haunts me. Because I know as a pastor, I've probably taught people to the point where God is exalted so high that I can't find what page is it on. Do you remember it? I wrote it down. Week 34, thank you. It's not that he has a great memory. He has it written down. That's what I taught him. (laughs) It's not like he paid attention in the last service. <laughs> he had to take a picture of it. He looked on his phone. He cheated. This is a, a quote by this German. How would you say, Wolfgang, you're the only German I know in here, buddy. How do you pronounce that last name? That's the last name. Tillich? Tillich? Teelick. Teelick, yeah. buddy, I butchered it. Telik. <laughs> no, I, I don't even want to tell you what I called him. Helmut Telik. <laughs> I put the southern draw on it, and it, it was it was not good. Anyway, this is Helmut. This is what he says. Tell me how lofty God is for you, and I'll tell you how little he means to you. That could be a theological axiom. The lofty God has been lofted right out of my private life. It is certainly remarkable, but it's true. God has become of concern to me only because he's made himself smaller than the Milky Way, only because he's present in my little sick room when I gasp for breath, or understands the little cares I cast on him, or takes seriously the request of a child for a scooter with balloon tires. He concerns me because Jesus Christ takes my speck of anxiety and my personal guilt upon himself. That's a little God, smaller God. That's the God that wants to meet you this morning, right where you are. It's not that he's so far out there that you can't get to him. He's come near. He's come near. Now, I want to just stay with me. Jesus, the story of Job is to flavor And to give understanding to the story of Jesus. Let me show you what I mean. The gospel of Mark, the baptism of Jesus. The gospel of Mark. Jamie, you're just doing this because you got a baptism next week. And you wanted to find a verse about baptism so you can encourage people to get baptized. And well, that's kind of true. It's kind of like that preacher. Every time he ever preached, he preached on baptism. And they just got tired of it and had him at a conference. So let's give him a scripture so that we won't. He can't preach on baptism, so they gave him Genesis chapter 1. And he says, you know, God made the heavens and the earth. You know, he made 80% of the world covered with water, emphasizing the need (laughs) for baptism. So that's kind of like me. Mark, very brief writer, shortest gospel, but he's got these winks, if you pay attention, that he connects us to the Job story. That's my opinion. I'm not, I could be wrong, but I love what God showed me of chapter 1, verse uh, 9 of Mark. At that time, Jesus came from Nazareth in Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. As Jesus was coming out of the water, he saw heaven being torn open, the spirit descending like a dove, and a voice came from heaven, you are my son in whom I love. With you I'm well pleased. And at once the Spirit sent him out into the desert. And he was in the desert 40 days being tempted by Satan. He was with the wild animals. And the angels attended to him. And let me just give you real quick, some of you that give you four connections to the story of Job. First of all, chapter 1 in the story of Job is God bragging on Job. Just like he's bragging on Jesus. Who do you think God was bragging on? Jesus didn't need to hear that. I'm sure he appreciated it. I've never thought about it this way. He was poking the devil in the eye. He's saying, have you noticed my son Jesus? There's none like him in all the earth. He's the king of kings and the Lord of lords. He's come to earth if you haven't noticed. Job was blessed by God. And the devil said, sure, Job worships you because you give him all. Jesus, yes, you're protecting him. Up to this point, there's been a hedge around Jesus like there was Job. God's about to take the hedge down like he did with Job. Not because he found some sick, cruel delight in a test, but because this is where it had to be for redemption to come. So God, the Bible says, and only in Mark, Matthew records the baptism and he just says the heavens are open. Nice day at church. Heavens are open. You know, wasn't it a sweet day? Luke, heavens were open. Mark, they were rent. They were torn. It's a violent word. It's a a word of, it's in the Old Testament. The word is twice found. One is when Jacob's told, your son is dead. Joseph has been eaten by wild animals. He rent his robe in grief over the apparent death of his son. The second use is Job, chapter 1, when he loses all his sons and his daughters. Again, it's a father and a son in grief. Rent his robe, fell on his face and worship. This isn't God going, oh boy, my boy's getting baptized today. All right. This is Jesus walking into the waters where sinners walk. And he's the righteous son of God. And John the Baptist says, hey, I need to get baptized by you. You, Jesus said, no, let it be. This is part of his mission. Because when we get baptized, we're acknowledging that our sins have been washed. When he gets baptized, he's taking, he's beginning to carry the sins, the griefs, the afflictions, the sorrows, the anxieties, the diseases, the sicknesses. He's taking on him at that. That baptism was not a whoopee. That was the father rent his robe because he knew what was coming, what was unleashed. The grief and the sorrows A man acquainted with grief. This is the Father tearing the heavens. You'll see it in a minute. He tears it again. This time it's the temple. When his son dies. Now, so you get the blessing of the son, as Job did. You get the tearing of the heavens and the tearing of the robe, as Job did. You get Satan. Only Mark calls him Satan in the temptation. It's the devil in Luke and the devil in Matthew. Job mentions Satan multiple times in chapters 1 and 2. It's the only There's only three places that I'm aware of in the Old Testament, Job's one of them, that mentions the devil as Satan, the adversary. So now Mark's connecting us back. He's bringing the story of Job into the 40 days, but not just the 40 days, but at least get to 40 days. Jesus didn't just have, well, he said, turn the, turn the stones and the bread. And, you know, if you're, if you're the son of God. and Well, you know, if you're the son of God, and you stub your toe. You know, he'll send and he'll Jump off the roof. And, and we make it such a mechanical three temptations, you know, the lust of the eyes, the lust of the bread. And it, instead of saying, he went into the darkest place imaginable for 40 days. He was assaulted with the enemy. I, my opinion assaulted with the feelings of sickness without the actual contamination of it, the feelings of migraines, the feelings of of anxiety, depression, and despair. The enemy plagued him. It It was dark. It was the preparation. It was the beginning of the cross, which some would argue started when he came to earth. As a human, he began to carry the cross. This is the the baptism of Jesus to begin the, the ministry and, and feel Job's pain that Jesus is taking so that Job could be made whole. Job is made whole by meeting God at the end of the book, and he finds healing and restoration and forgiveness only because Jesus is coming. When Jesus came at his baptism, he began to pick up up the weight of the world, guilt, sin, mine, yours. It's an unimaginable weight. He carried it, but yet he still had times filled with joy. Wasn't a depressed person, but he was a man of sorrows acquainted with grief is how the prophet Isaiah describes him. And now, let's fast forward the tape. He has many other it's not like, again, it's not like Job. He fought the devil, chapter 1, fought the devil, chapter 2. Devil leaves. Now it's just his wife and friends he's got to deal with. No, the devil was still part of every attack and breath and darkness and uh, tormenting thoughts in his mind. He didn't leave. He didn't leave. He left Jesus for a more convenient time. He goes right on starts meeting demons. He does warfare. It's a, it's a, he's walked into. See, when you get baptized, it's like putting on those of you that have been veterans. I haven't been. But those of you that have been veterans, when you put on the military uniform, everybody else that's the enemy of that uniform is now your enemy. You, you, when you get baptized, you put on the uniform the name of Jesus, the garments of salvation, the robe of, you, you put it on, you're marked. You plant a flag. You, people wonder why my God got baptized and all hell broke loose. Because he didn't, he didn't, you weren't wearing the uniform. You weren't sure what side you're on. And there's no neutrality. When you get baptized, not to scare you, but it's a reality. The enemy takes Jesus and assaults him because this is all preparation for what he come to do. And the enemy's trying to get him to cave in like he tried to get Job to cave in. Now, fast forward the tape. We're at the end of his life. Mark 15. We're Mark brings out that it's the ninth hour of the day that Jesus is crucified. It's the sixth hour of the day, straight up noon, when darkness comes over the land. So I just wanted you to connect. 28 times Job talks about darkness, the book. Job walked in darkness, couldn't find his God. In essence, the whole book of Job could be described as, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? It's the cross. It's the dereliction of Job a derel- being rejected, abandoned, apparently, seemingly, seemingly, God's mad. All the friends say he's mad. All circumstances say he's mad. But the truth is God's sobbing over the pain of his son. If you see and have a view of a God that's so far out there that he witnessed Job's conflict, detached, detached, uninvolved and untouched, then trade him in. Get a God that's alive. Get a God that cares. Get a God that loves. Get a father that weeps. He's Any parent on his worst day wouldn't want his child to go through what Job went through. On your worst day. But he's God on his best day. He weeps because he would have given himself, which he does in Jesus, to take Job's place. The greatest picture in the Old Testament of the cross is when God says to Abraham, take your only son and go sacrifice him. The test in that story was on who? Abraham, the dad. The father. I'm not saying it wasn't a test for the son. Going, hey dad. There's wood, rope, and a knife. Now it's a fire, and I'm tied up, laying on the fire, and you've got a knife in your hand. I'm not saying there wasn't faith there, but it's the dad. The dad would have said, "Son, take the knife and kill me nine times." Any parent would have traded places. And if you have a God that his son Jesus comes and he's on the cross and he's just, oh, I know how this ends. Oh, this is, you know, it ends good. It's good. It's resurrection's coming. No, you've missed the heart of God. On the cross, darkness covers the land. Chapter 15, Mark brings it out as as, as just, again, just touching into the darkness. Verse uh, 33 of chapter 15, at the sixth hour, straight up noon, darkness came over the whole land until the ninth hour, three in the afternoon. In the ninth hour, Jesus cried with a loud voice, Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani, which means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Psalm 22, he's not just quoting the Bible because he went to Bible school as a child. He's got the memory verse down. He's living this cry that... Encaps, encapsulates every dereliction cry of abandonment in the planet. Every woman that's been raped that cried, God, where are you? Where they are right now in Turkey crying, God, where are you? When they're in the Ukraine crying, God, where are you? When you're in that dark place and the loss of a loved one and you say, that cry was incorporated, was assimilated. Jesus embraced humanity's lostness. Humanity's separation, humanity's sense of where's God? I can't find Him. I feel abandoned. Jesus in that dark place closes off. Now most people see the darkness as kind of protecting that moment with Jesus, but it's got more to do with the Father than it does the Son, because there's weeping. Mel Gibson, he's you know say what he say about his own private life, but as far as a filmmaker, I'm gonna say. Uh, The passion of Christ gripped me like no other movie I've ever watched. And he gets something that I think is the most profound piece of, I don't know who came up with it, but it's as Christ is on the cross, one tear breaks through from heaven and drops. And it says there was a crucified father who died. With a crucified son. Victory. In his defeat. Was our victory. Conquered death. Defeated darkness. One drop of that blood. Washes us. God tore his robe at his baptism. Tore his heart. So he could tear the veil. So that we could come in. And have sweet communion. Which is what Job lost. And got restored. Because in Job is a taste of the cross, where Jesus comes in the fullness of the cross and walks through those dark places of abandonment so that we can claim that promise, I will never leave you, and I'll never forsake you. He's my Jesus. Is he yours? You have to choose that. Job didn't get cured by getting information and explanation. Job got cured by meeting a God that was his father that loved him the whole time. Who endured Job's suffering. God endured by not intervening. When love that we can't comprehend would have wanted everything in him to stop the boils Stop the death of the children. Stop his wife from being attacked. Stop the friends from maligning him and misrepresenting. Shut their mouths. He held, he held an endurance with weeping and sorrow. It's much harder to hold as opposed to relieve when you have it in your power to do that. But when the relieving is not the healing that comes in the unveiling of who the Father is. God wants a faith in us like like a Job-like faith that learns to trust Him even when we can't explain Him, that learns to surrender our beliefs about God and believe in God. There's a big difference. Faith gets real when you walk through darkness. And you've got nothing. There's no, no semblance of the goodness of God. Dry times, desert times. But the truth is, when you go to the cross, you're reminded that God abandoned Jesus as only a heartbroken father could do so that we would never be abandoned. That's hope. Amen. Let's pray together. That's a love that uh, it's, it's unearthly, yet God became small to come among us, to be one of us. God became smaller so he could feel what we feel. God experienced abandonment that had never happened in all eternity, so that you and I could have a real living relationship with the God that made us. If you're here today, and I don't know, I'm not asking if you've been religious or gone to church or even know the Bible, but I'm asking do you have what Job knew he lost a close, personal, intimate relationship with Jesus? Do you know him as a friend? Would you miss it if his presence was not revealed to you? Do you miss it? See, it's in those places of emptiness, those places of, oh, God, I want to know you. That's what drew me to Jesus. I I, I saw how empty I was, and I, I knew that his love could fill me. His grace could forgive me. His blood could cleanse me. So if you're here this morning, and you've never said yes to Jesus. or it, it, It's not a game. It's a, it's a life. It's a surrender. You say, what do I do, Jamie? Well, whether you're online or here. You just say, Jesus, come be Lord of my life. You ask him. Jesus, I surrender myself to you. You gave everything for me. I'm going to give you even my questions and doubts. I'm going to lay them at your feet. I'm going to ask you to be the Lord of my life. Just ask him right now. We're seated. He'll hear your cries. He'll hear your whispers. He doesn't see you as a worm. He sees you as a lost child that's precious, that needs to come home. And he's inviting you to come home right now. And he'll greet you with his loving arms, his kisses. Come, Holy Spirit. Give courage to those that need to take a stand this morning, Lord. In Jesus' name.